You were listening to World of Noise right here on X-Ray FM and on the X-Ray Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bob Ham. Every week, we shine the spotlight on some of Portland's best noisemakers. And on this week's show, you're going to hear from Jaina Cushman, the leader of the dark wave post-punk ensemble Dark Swoon, about the genesis of her artistic output and the therapeutic qualities of music. But first... For the past six years, the psychedelic rock band Eyelids has been one of the best representatives for the Portland music scene around the world. To be fair, they had a bit of a leg up thanks to many of the members of the group being known for their work in other projects like the Decemberists and Guided by Voices. That has allowed them to call in some fairly big names to help record their music like Peter Buck of R.E.M. and Gary Jarman of The Cribs. But as they've continued to release amazing record after amazing record, the group has built an incredible international reputation and started cracking the door open for some unexpected opportunities. One of those helped fuel the band's latest album, The Accidental Falls. For this album, Eyelids collaborated with poet and lyricist Larry Beckett, a product of the 60s folk rock scene. Larry is best known for the many songs he wrote with the late Tim Buckley, including classics like Song to the Siren. Larry found his way into the Eyelids orbit and wound up offering up old and new lyrics for the band to build an album around. And what they came up with together is just wonderful, still holding true to their glorious guitar pop sound, but with Larry's words drawing a wistfulness out of their music that they had yet to tap into. Ahead of the band's album release show at Mississippi Studios this weekend, Chris Lucerenko and John Moen, the two vocalists and guitarists for the band, joined me at the X-Ray Studios to talk about the creation of the Accidental Falls, recording with Hedwig and the Angry Inch co-creator John Cameron Mitchell, and much more. Chris Lucerenko, John Moen, thank you so much for being on World of Noise today. Thank you for having us here. Yeah. So uh, as you were saying before we got on the mic, Chris, it's been a busy year for Eyelids. You have your, is this the fourth of four records that's coming out, The Accidental Falls? Well, it's the fourth. So we put out a single on Chunklet in last February. That's right. And then we put out a single with Jay Gonzalez of the Drive-By Truckers where he wrote a song with us in mind and then we wrote a song with him in mind and we did those and then we did a camper van beethoven cover on it too and then we did the uh, record with john Cameron mitchell of all lou reed covers to raise money for his mom's uh, dementia health care costs mm-hmm. and then this february yeah now <laughs> we have the accidental falls um our proper third full length wow. coming out yeah in a year <laughs> not lot. pollard styled no, not, no, not, no. not even close <laughs> right. but but pretty pretty good clip for us but still to get five guys together to record stuff yeah. and play a lot of shows and stuff as well in the midst of that that's not an easy task so no but i well think done. the projects yeah. are pretty different too i mean yeah. we get excited we're like We'll come up with an idea. And it's, I always say we're a little like the little rascals a bit. We're like, let's, <laughs> like, hey, let's put on a show. Let's do this. Let's make a video. And and so we, it's kind of fun for us. And they're not, they're pretty 
uh, they're pretty different. So it's, yeah. it's, it feels different. There's a lot of saying yes. And then sometimes you have to sweat it out to get it done. But yeah. like the video we just made, maybe was a little bit like, wow, okay. We <laughs> took on a lot, you know, uh, we're going to animate a video and we don't know how, how to do that. We've never done that before. So, yeah. you know, it's the fun stuff like that. And it's getting into an interesting uh, area of the band of doing a lot of collaborations. I mean, you've done one before. Mm-hmm. You worked with uh, a member of the Cribs. Yeah, Gary Jarman. Gary Jarman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, as you said, you're working on a bunch of stuff with like Jay Gonzalez to the Drive by Truckers, doing a record with John Cameron Mitchell. And this, this new album, The Accidental Falls, uh, is you working with Larry Beckett, who's a local poet and someone who's been a lyricist for the likes of Tom, uh, sorry, the likes of T- Tim Buckley. And so was that an intentional move of, of wanting to bring other people into the fold to spark some creativity? It was an accidental move, really. Yeah, I mean, it was it, fluky. Just <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah, my, my kid is friends with his kid. And I was in their kitchen and <laughs> Larry's wife was like, hey, Larry's in music too. And I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I write lyrics and I wrote for Tim Buckley and Jerry Yester. Mm-hmm. And I was like... I just didn't it was weird and so um, and he bought the records we put out and got really into them we kind of invoked some things of you know he was a total creature of 60s LA scene you know Mm -hmm. he was right there in that conversation so I think um, you know, reminded him of certain bands from that era and um, and he just loved what we were doing and he kind of asked if we'd ever want to collaborate or just look through his writings of 40 years. Um, and it, it, I think we were unsure what this was going to be. Right. I think we thought maybe it would be another single or EP or, you know, a fun little breath, but it changed. <laughs> it did not happen. <laughs> well, yeah, it started rolling a little bit and um, it just got kind of kept being really interesting and, yeah, it's and it, and it just started to feel like a real opportunity to. Um, I li- I've liked how it's um, changed how I feel about create you know creating something and being a little bit more open to giving parts away. And Larry's very good at that. Just very good at writing lyrics and handing them to a couple of yokels. You know. Yeah, I'm from I'm from Kaiser. You know, like. Yeah. <clears throat> I think we are also sorry, in- Kaiser. <laughs> I, I think there was some intimidation to for us because you know we're even though we collaborate and we do a lot of records with people we we like we're pretty controlling in terms of like this is what we are and this is what we want to do and this is how we want to sound and so it was i i think we kind of had to you know trust it a little bit and um i think at first uh, there was some uncertainty about what conceptually what this would be, especially when we were just talking about doing it without meeting him and looking through this stuff. I think we put up all these maybe blocks, you know, roadblocks, you know, like to protect him and us and like, in case it doesn't work (laughs) out, we'll just, we'll just do something. Yeah. And then I think we started writing really quickly and got really inspired really fast um, by, you know, all these cool things to search through and find things that resonated. I think there was a moment where we thought we were, you know, where I, I was like, well, maybe he's just going to want to show us, you know, dusty old book. And um, I didn't re- realize he was so, you know, still still working so hard and so relevant. Yeah. And and so the first thing 
that I did was throw them a, a tune that I had never been able to put lyrics to. Um, I went home and I think I had just a verse and an intro and made up, made up a chorus and hummed where I thought the melody should be and sent it, sent him a, like iPhone thing. And I think it was like maybe four or five days later, he sent me lyrics over and he wanted to know, you know, what, what the, the what I was thinking about when I was writing my melody. Cause that, that was all he needed to kind of, you know, cook something up. Wow. Yeah. It was cool. So, but it, so that was right away. I was like, oh, okay. This is, this is like, this is like a creative opportunity. This isn't just right. a nostalgia trip. You know what I mean? I saw her swimming with mirror in hand. And in her light, I lost the sight of land. But I will never lose oh, the mermaid blues. So, is there a fair balance on the record of those moments of you sending him music and him crafting lyrics, yeah. as well as you taking lyrics that he'd already written and yeah, writing music around it? It's about half and half, almost. Yeah, I, my, Maybe I think he wrote he wrote to two of my melodies, and then. Then we did three other songs yeah. out of mine. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I'd say you did two fifths of him writing new yeah. stuff, and okay. then um, an, you know another uh, another chunk basically being stuff of us looking through things from the you know '60s till now, and just finding things that sounded like it would come out of us. You know, that was the real. That was the surprising thing. Was like there was quite a bit of stuff that I was not afraid to have um just be reflective of me you know like i would think just looking at lyrics and then just having something resonate to the point where it, when you sing it it's, it sounds like you wrote it was a really cool process you know <laughs> and surprise that is unusual and, yeah and i you know but you know when we do covers we feel it you know like when i we're doing you know, like when I'm singing Sex Beat by the Gun Club, I'm feeling it. You know, I'm not anything like Jeffrey Lee Pierce, but I'm like, I feel like... That might be I'm, for the best, Chris. Uh, yeah, but I'm feeling it in my head, you know, like I'm wanting to live through that. Right. So I, I think that um, we we both have been really cautious about lyrics in our own work. Um, we've always been music first, lyrics come later. And I think this was really a different challenge for us and kind of a uh, I mean you I think said that it kind of allowed us to kind of honor that a little more than we have mm -hmm. in terms of yeah future like, work learned you know? a lot you know we're just ready to I mean also really ready to write again it just kind of you know kind of a little jolt of energy on a lot of levels yeah. I think for us Did, reading these lyrics and knowing sort of Larry's history and where he comes from and that area of LA in the 60s and 70s did you have that in your mind as you were writing the music for this of like wanting to evoke that or just no. keep true to what very, you guys were doing very Pacific Northwest for me okay. there's a song yeah. in there called um, uh, well Ceremony that it describes it's actually him quote, a lot of it is him quote, quoting his wife now wife Laura and it's about their wedding night which it seems like you know gosh a rock song really but it's just really inspired and it's it's all about rain and big trees and it's very it's very Oregon I mean you know just literally the setting but just the vibe I think was I'm not even thinking about California at all and for me 
I think we I think it's it's if Larry's name wasn't on it, you'd be like it's just an eyelids record. I don't think there's I don't think there's a place where like Larry begins and we end and you know like it's pretty seamless I feel like I don't I don't um and that was a really um happy conclusion to the record for me cuz I was re- I feel like a lot of albums and some that I've loved when they do things like this sometimes they get like it's all paisleyed out now or it's all sepia toned or it's all we're putting on overalls and banjos for the, you know like they're trying to jam it into a genre or a scene or a time or period. yeah or and and I just think that we made a really cool eyelids record I mean the song The Accidental Falls is a translation of Goethe um, that he did and it's like it's so not precious you know it's not it's not poetic at all. It's really <laughs> rocking and insane. And it's, it just, yeah, it's fun. You know, I think we got to, um, just still be eyelids. Again, like I think we didn't know till we were well into it that it was going to happen like that. Yeah. How was it to have those lyrics that were co-written by Tim Buckley to play with? Well, that song <laughs> was a real nerve wracker. I mean, yes. we really we went over to his house to the first time we all kind of met him. Chris had met him previously, obviously, and we got invited over for like it was really sweet, like cheese and cracker plate and, and chardonnay <laughs> and we we're like oh my god this is so great and he had this really cute cat and you know we started it was cozy um but then also the the second thing that happened after cheese and crackers got posters was like uh copies of the sheet music that he and for, for that song wow um so found at the scene of a rendezvous that failed yeah from 1966 i always have to gather myself to tell <laughs> okay what is the title um <clears throat> And so it, it's just like, it was a little heavy, you know, like he's like, this hasn't been recorded and Tim wrote the music and I wrote the words and you guys can do, do it if you want. And we were like, well, you know, we were like, no, <laughs> we basically said no. We're like, and it, well, it wasn't, I mean, I don't, I'm not a, not a big Tim head, you know, or anything like that. I just know it's, it's, there's people who are, and it, just, right. it was a little in- intimidating. I just didn't, you know, well, especially for that reason, maybe because I just I'm like I don't, I don't know this. I don't deserve to be the person who gets to take this. I see totally to the. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a little yeah. Of that. So we just kind of sat on that one and <laughs> started working on everything else. And at some t- point, we were rehearsing with the whole band, and we were, and I just think we. I, or maybe I don't know what happened exactly. You and I were. You basically said out. that at one point you're like, I think maybe we are the band to do this. We were just at the point where yeah. it just was going so well, mm-hmm. and yeah, we were having so much clicking, fun, you know? and it was just like it was just the picture was there, and we were like, you know, we've been given this chance to do this beautiful song. 
we're not going to do it like Tim. We none of us can sing like no one can sing like Tim Buckley, and he, and I think that was part of the fright was he is so iconic and such a mysterious mythological kind of hero for some people, right. um, you know, a real mystery. And um, we we're reading reviews bad reviews of ourselves before you know, just looking at the sheet music yeah right? just I mean, being oh, like people being like how dare they yeah, right like, it's a and, call. Then, and then it just we we're like we're here with the person who was the co-writer yeah, he he's playing on the thing we know it's it's kind of a spooky song we're like we can fit we can fit this you know we can make this ours kill the candle close the door take a bow there's only lunacy now Drink the lemon, eat your words And swallow time Remember, my touch is a crime it, And it was what Peter played bass on it, Peter Buck mm-hmm. um, And he... He'll have to tell you sometime over drinks, but he he really it was a very emotional like out of body experience for him really? recording that. He said he was like floating above, looking down at himself, which has only happened one other time while making music. And he it was very um, powerful. He really was um, found a lot of power with Larry and his lineage and what he had done and all the things that had mattered to Peter. It really struck a chord with sorry chord with him yeah yeah it really kind of touched him in a way that was got us excited too um, so that was that was lovely so wow is that in part why you wanted to work with Peter on this record as a producer co producer I think we just love him yeah. and we love what he having Peter there who is a friend but also like again an icon and hero to us and a big influence it just makes us really want to do great mm-hmm. it's like he has chosen to spend time with us and help us and so we don't mess around we just get to it <laughs> and he helps us really focus in a very subliminal way just to get to the heart of things and um he's really doesn't he doesn't really like to overthink things too much okay he's a big fan of let's get it you know first second take and a lot of i mean there's overdubs and other things and you know vocal takes on it but a lot of happy accidents on this record weird little Mm -hmm. things solos and things that were unplanned and just thrown on and like really it was fun there's a song called one two three that's got kind of insane guitar jams on it for us especially i think that and, was one of my favorites and yeah. well and it's just i thought i think that was a firsty or a secondy yeah and all Take, it, yeah. and almost all the leads were pretty live yeah my jonathan and i were i mean all the stuff i did was just like a first time keeper and now dude i didn't expect that at all yeah. uh, but the spirit was good i think he just he just helps us get in the right spot. He, he's the teacher you want to impress. Yeah, you know you want to write a better 
essay for this person, <laughs> or you want them to be like, I read your thing and I really, you, you're, you know, like when you're a kid, you're like, yeah. that he's like that for us with recording and music. It's just, I want to do good for him and by him. Like well, I just, yeah. an average day in the studio, you're having, you're having musical discussions with Peter Buck, who, you know, was a big deal for me when I was, uh, younger and saying you know yeah it's just it's like oh we're, we're talking like man to man about what this song should do that's just it's really great it is a cool feeling i'm <laughs> sure really great. Yeah. You know, yeah. do you lean on him for advice or for oh, yeah. direction and especially for this record yeah i think you know like i said uh, you know chris and i both come in with pretty strong you know a, a trajectory or an arc for the song pretty well thought out but there's always something that needs help. You know, there's always a loose end, mm-hmm. no matter how much you've thought about it. And sometimes we even keep, you know, keep things loose on purpose and see what happens on that day. And that's when he really comes in. He's like, oh, well, what if we all, you know, what if we all sat in together? And, you know, he just ha- he just has little ideas that just yeah. bring the moment to the fore, which is something I personally really need help with. Chris is better than I am. Um and for all the listeners out there, we both write half the music. I don't right. Know, that's uh, important to get that. And you both sing the songs you write. Yeah. Each of our songs. Yeah. So um, for the most part, there's some exceptions. But I just think that uh, you know I'm, I tend to overpaint um, and with left to my own devices. And so having both Chris and Pete, you know, there, that really helps me a lot. To, yeah, I think to, that's to let to let the moment go. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll, I'll fight if I think of my voice is really out of tune. I'll fight for it and go do it again. And you know, we we compromise, but. It's it's a good reminder. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think that's what makes eyelids really fun is that there's not another one of me in this band, and there's not <laughs> another one of John. You know, I've been in. It's true. You know, there's, it's like we we have really pretty different <laughs> styles and tastes and personalities and types of playing and types of voice. Mm-hmm. And I always liked a lot of bands like that. Like I was listening to Mission of Burma today, and I was like. You know, Clint Conley, the beautiful kind of thing, and then Roger Miller, like the kind of like gnarly, you know, you know, target, you know. Yeah. We were and then t- talking about Straight Jacket Fits, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Like or Shane totally. Out I'm not. I'm not saying and, we're that, but there is a yeah. fun dynamic to us, like pulling John in to do like really intense guitar leads that are really explosive, and then John pulling me in to do something a little more tender. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really fun because i think you know we we kind of bring out these really kind of uh, opposite and can invite and, each other out of our own comfort zones yeah a little bit which is kind of awesome yeah it's a good feeling yeah yeah but it's exciting to have taken this risk mm-hmm. and which it was and to have it come out so um freeing and exciting i think we're all dying to play it live and to have people hear it, it's just been, it's going to be cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> and that is happening on the 29th at Mississippi Studios. So Correct, I'm very yeah. excited for that. And we have s- special guests and all sorts of creatures popping up on stage. We kind of, on a record release shows in town, we really like to like stack it and have, like last time John Cameron Mitchell popped up on stage and, and, people were like losing their mind because you know he was unannounced and but like colin malloy is gonna show up and do some stuff with us and peter's gonna do stuff oh cool and um amanda spring yeah amanda um from uh, point juncture washington and um sally ford's new band is opening up talking to johnny and one of our favorite bands from seattle zebra hunt who are if you like like 
if you have any New Zealand love of music in your body, they're fantastic. They're just secret weapon band. They're, it's going to be a good night. Sounds like it. Super great band. Yeah. Yeah. Favorites. I did want to ask about uh, the John Cameron Mitchell record that came out uh, at the end of last year um, and how, A, you guys got to know John Cameron Mitchell and then B, how this project came together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, in 2002, woke up in the middle of the night with another bad idea as john knows i have lots of bad ideas that i kind of i kind of make work it's frustrating he kind of pulls them off yeah john has always been really good about like no then he's like oh i turned out i'm gonna watch you fall one of these days yes (laughs) um uh i had really fallen in love with hedvig and the angry inch um i kind of came at it from a friend who told me bob mold had played on the soundtrack and Mm -hmm. so that had piqued my interest and i just thought it was an amazing film and the songs were great and i just was like oh my gosh i should put together a tribute album of some kind because i was afraid someone would do it and i'd just be really disappointed with the pics you know or like or the vision so i i met uh, I, John and Stephen Trust, the composer, and the three of us made this charity album for the Harvey Milk School in New York City um, for this charity album called Wig in a Box. And so I got like Yoko Ono with Yola Tango as a collaboration, and Sleater Kenny with Fred Schneider, and Stephen Colbert is on it, and Spoon, and Robin Hitchcock, and They Might Be Giants, and Bob Mould, all these people. I played drums on a Cindy Lauper track. That's right. Oh, yeah, my goodness. yeah. <laughs> Rufus Wainwright. It was really it. fun. It's an achievement. Jonathan Richman. Thank you. We just stayed friends. It was like we worked really, it was a really hard project to do because of everyone's scheduling and all the labels and publishers and agents and managers and time and studios and everyone really just gave a lot. And we just stayed really good friends, but we've never done anything musically together or, you know, um, artistically, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, he just was in town. Um, filming Shrill, um, uh, the TV show on Hulu that he's in. And um, it just worked out. We were like, you want to do some songs? And um, he came up with uh, a Lou Reed song and um, a Bowie song and uh, uh, a song from uh, Hedvig, Angry Mm -hmm. Inch. And we just kind of belted it out that night at the record release show. And then the next day, he just texted, hey, babe, we should record. And like five days later, it was like, it was really quick. Like five or six days later, we were in the studio with Peter, like making this for John. And um, we decided, originally we were, he want, was thinking of maybe doing Iggy and Bowie and Lou, like the holy mm-hmm. trinity thing, you know. But it's, Bowie's really difficult because the production is so, powerful and over the top and Iggy is hard to out Iggy (laughs) but there's something about Lou Reed that his songs are really beautiful like they're so poetic even when they're angry yeah and um we were able to kind of fit into all these you know again from different decades you know um all these different songs (laughs) 
And John is just such a good theatrical, you know, performer. You know, he just really performs these songs, you know, on the record. Like as uh, there's a, it's it's more than just someone doing a cover. There's mm-hmm. definitely like a a power in it. You know, he brought in a poem of Ye- Yeats. Is that how you say his name? Yeats. 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 Yeah. And and jammed it at the end of one of them and it was just like just really frightening and powerful and it, it was just fun being in the same room with him recording just watching his body language and kind of following like when it's going to rise and when it's going to get quiet and how we're going to do all these things and um yeah it was just and a really makes, charmed makes night. It look easy too yeah it was super yeah. charmed and we're gonna we're gonna perform those songs with him at revolution hall when he's here oh excellent a couple, he's gonna be here on Wednesday the 26th. 26th doing a doing a whole night of uh, Hedvig stuff yeah and so we're gonna we're gonna and Peter's gonna join us too so we're gonna do um, all the Lou Reed songs wow that haven't been done in Portland yet so. that's gonna be wonderful thanks now you have a busy uh, spring coming up for the band and into the summer it looks like uh, playing shows you've got the show on Friday the 28th in Seattle here in Portland on the 29th then you start a nice uh, bunch of shows in March and April going into the summer playing with eyelids uh, do you have any suspicion of what comes next for the band are the things in the hopper already I was just thinking about that. This one's been a brew for a, a long time, longer mm-hmm. than normal for us. And I think it's been feeling like a real high point for mm-hmm. us, too. Yeah. So I haven't really wandered too far past it mentally, personally. But um, but there's always, and we're always, I'm always making song ideas. So I, I assume something will happen. I think, I think there's a little chance for this one to. Um, breathe a bit without being sunny pretentious <laughs> uh, breathe um, but no but I mean I, I think like John said we we had it was a matter of we weren't last year we weren't able to really tour as much we were able to do some areas and I think we really wanted to wait till this album was out to really be able to kind of honor it a bit more and and um, travel you know back to places we've been to a few times and some places we haven't mm-hmm. and really kind of give it a go this time around and so doing those singles and other things uh, last year allowed us to kind of still you know get excited i mean it's just weird when you know you're like oh that single came out six months ago with jay but it feels like years i mean time just moves in weird (laughs) it's true weird weird ways you know uh, and sometimes something can seem like it's just been around forever so it's kind of exciting that it feels new to us but i'm sure there's things we don't even know about yet that will happen right you yeah know, we, we tend to do like i said it's all sudden we're like let's animate a video let's do this let's try that let's yeah. you know opportunities just show up yeah. and then and or dumb john, ideas yeah john cameron mitchell says we need to do a single and we need to do it we need to do an ep it's got to happen next week and we're yeah. we're the we're usually up for stuff like that nice. yeah so, or like camper so and beethoven be like fly out come on play this thing and then john getting attached into it and all of a sudden we're like doing R.E.M. songs and Hedvig songs and Lou Reed songs and just like it just yeah. was intense <laughs> an intense weekend of like homework and 
it was really fun, but just like that was not. It was like, on yeah, our like a life. Big Farrell's birthday Sunday. Yeah, it was good times. Rock yeah, where they music. bring out the trough of ice cream and they're banging a drum. They're like, learn these songs, do it, do it now. Um, yeah, yeah. And before we go um, today, the news dropped to the world that the Decemberists are going on tour this mm-hmm. summer. Yeah, twentieth yeah. anniversary tour. Got to uh, get out. Got to get out there. Yeah, and that's uh, <laughs> if anyone a little band. If anyone doesn't know the little band called the Decemberists, yeah. uh, are, are my guest John Bones. The drummer in that band has That's been right. for. I have to relearn how to play the drums. I haven't. We've been off. For <laughs> it's a been a while. while. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, you you weren't the band. You've, you haven't been in the band the full twenty years, but you've been in the band. No. You've been the primary drummer for quite some time They're now. Allowing me to guest on the anniversary. <laughs> tour. It's nice of them to listen to them play the first couple of records that you yeah. were not. So yeah, tell me, are you uh, excited to get back on the road with those kids? Oh, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's always it's always great. Um, yeah, no, it, it'll be great. I think. Um, there's no plans for any big recordings or anything down the pike that I know of. So it's just, it's just a nice way to keep our hand in and um, certainly been a long time with those guys. So yeah. it's, it's always fun to hang out. Does and, it seem like it's gone fast? Well, I mean, you know, it depends. I think time, is time fluid? Is that what they say? You know, like some days, some days, I may I don't know. Some days it feels like, you know, everything's racing by and some days it feels like, oh my God. It's only <laughs> Can one? I please yeah. get off of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Where's, my, where's my stop? You know, but um, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, so, yeah, it's both. I think it's both. Yeah. Any particular it. songs you're looking forward to diving back into? Especially songs, because I imagine you're going to like dig deeper into the catalog for this tour. Not the Mariner's Revenge song. <laughs> I've played the Whale song a lot. But, you know, it's a, fa- it's a fan favorite. So, but, you know. People we'll, love puppets. We try and invent some new way to make it fun every time we go out. But, um and we may we may skip it this time. We can be kind of cold that way. Oh, yeah. You never know. You well, do have quite a few songs. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of material. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, um, yeah, it's it's just actually the the neat thing about this trip was that we we won't have to feel the obligation to put half of a record into the set list. Right. Which really like it with if you have enough albums out, it really limits the sh- the show feels sure. kind of foreshortened always. Mm-hmm. You're just like, well, we didn't get to any of that other stuff from the first or second record or right so uh, this will just be um just songs we want to play not necessarily greatest hits but just you know yeah odd things from weird b-sides and um it'll be fun that will be fun yeah so uh, if there are still tickets available anyone listening the shows are happening at edgefield on the 31st of july and the first of august thank you for for those decemberist shows (laughs) but the show that you should know about right now is the eyelids record release show just happening on saturday february 29th at mississippi studios they're playing with talking to johnny and zebra hunt a lot of special guests you won't want to miss it chris john thank you so much for being on the show today thank you so much it's a pleasure man thanks for having us Darkwave and goth rock have thrived here in Portland for decades, fueled in part by the work that X-ray shows like Gothic Boutique and Songs from Under the Floorboard and Past Haunts, as well as labels like Project Records, have been doing to highlight some of the best artists in those realms. And it has allowed bands like Dark Swoon to grow some deep roots here. My guest Jaina Cushman has been growing the music and profile of Dark Swoon slowly and steadily since the release of the project's first EPs back in 2015. But there's something about the sound of the group's latest album, Bind, that suggests that she is ready to take a great leap forward creatively. 
Some of that is to do with having a solid lineup now that includes her partner in life, Rachel Ellis, and bassist Andrew Potter. With the band's next live performance happening tonight, Thursday the 27th at Bunk Bar, I invited Jana Cushman in to talk about her musical upbringing and finding the sound of Dark Swoon. Well, Jana Cushman, thank you so much for being on World of Noise today. Thank you for having me. You said in another interview that I read of yours that you started making music as kind of a form of therapy for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Is that still the case? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I need to make music in order to stay sane. Um, I start when I haven't even messed around with music in a few days like that's where I'm coming from today <laughs> um, it's at my sister's wedding all weekend and uh, I'm like itching for it so that's definitely what I'm gonna do tonight because um, it's like sometimes I feel like uh, the creative energy I'm pouring out is just going into a void but it's also like servicing me on a whole other level that I couldn't live without so definitely therapeutic when did that start for you when did you find that music was your outlet for you know personal therapy um probably uh around the time i was like 14 i started writing music and getting a lot out of it um i was a, a terrible teen um going through <laughs> you know all sorts of teenage drama um and i i had been playing music for for quite a while at that point um just growing up in a musical household um by all means, I should be much better at guitar than I am. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started, you know, writing, um, you know, sappy uh, or deep songs, as I thought at the time, of course. Um, and working through my issues. And I, I feel like uh, it started to kind of take over in my life, giving me something else to do with myself that was more constructive than destructive. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I've just I'm I'm grateful to have developed that tool for coping at a young age because I think it kept me out of some some more serious trouble going forward. Well, as you were growing up, um, when did it become? When did you find like an album or a song that was like wholly your own? That something that like really spoke to you that you were like, this is the type of music that's for me. Um, that's a good question. I. You know, when I, when I was like 10, um, I got really into grunge and really connected with Nirvana. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not really sure which, which song in particular I connected with the most, but I, you know, I really liked uh, their earlier stuff like Bleach, mm -hmm. um, like some of the more raw, uh, like Incesticide, I think is uh, the other one that, that um, I really listened to a lot and I just really liked the um, the raw emotion of grunge um and Nirvana and people you know people used to call me Nirvana go girl in school because I was like I had like like three band t-shirts and they were all Nirvana and I'd like rotate them every day <laughs> um uh but then like uh you know getting older um I started connecting more with uh, a lot more women, um, Tori Amos, PJ Harvey. Um, when I listened to uh, PJ Harvey's Rid of Me, mm. I feel like that was really transformative for me. Um, 
that record in general, uh, but that song also is like, you know, I feel like being able to kind of make the connection between like, you know, I, when I found grunge, I was like, here's this whole emotion and music that I've never experienced before. And then I, then I was able to find um, strong female voices making that same music and like, you know, creating similar emotions and music um, was something that I, I feel like bridged a gap for me that I was able to connect to mm-hmm. um, even though my music is is uh, not not grungy at all but right. like, that was definitely a formative influence Were you living in the Northwest then? No, I was in Michigan. Okay. Um, I, was, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is um, pretty conservative. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like definitely a weirdo. Um, and trying to find people who connected with me musically was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have like a lot of subculture there. We didn't have a lot of culture. <laughs> it was like a pretty religious um, town to grow up in. Um, but... You know, definitely finding my way to the local record stores and being able to dig through the CDs mm. and just kind of, I we had this um, this record shop called Vertigo Records where we could like, you know, go listen to the CDs and like right. all the used CDs. And I used to find like, you know, I think that's where I found my first Susie and the Banshees and my first Bjork album. So that was pretty influential. And I, I really missed that experience of just kind of like digging through um, <laughs> yes. Like physical copies of music. Um, you know, now we do it all on Spotify and streaming, but, and we have more, it's more accessible. Sure. But, uh, you know, I do kind of miss the hunt. <laughs> so, how did you end up out here in Portland? Um, I came out here uh, about 14 years ago mm-hmm. um, to play music. Uh, you know, I was just, I always wanted to go west. Um, I had only, I'd been here once when I was six. <laughs> My dad is actually from Portland. Okay. Um, so I felt like I had this connection to, to this area, but uh, I was playing in a band at the time um, with a drummer. We were just a duo um, and we were playing a lot in, you know, West Michigan. Like, what are we doing here? Like, we need to get out of here. <laughs> so um, he, he worked for the post office. He got a transfer to Portland, and I was like, cool, well, I'll meet you out there. Wow. <laughs> like, so six months later, after working two jobs to save the money, I just kind of made the trek, and yeah, I, I love it out here. I've been here ever since. Excellent. Was this sort of an early version of Dark Swoon that you started there out in Michigan, or was um, this different? No, um, we, we eventually went by the name Minerva, um, and... Uh, played out a bit in Portland for the first couple of years I was here and then and then the band just kind of exploded um uh, not in the way that you want it to right. you know <laughs> or, or imploded I don't know we we um uh ended things and um I was pretty lost musically for a while um but I always wanted to do I always wanted to incorporate electronic music with my guitar mm-hmm. um and I wasn't really sure how to do that because I had no background with electronic music. So um, 
I ended up buying this little chaosolator and making horrible beats and, uh, <laughs> you know, just like messing around with stuff in my, um, my bedroom and trying to find the sound that I, that I always kind of wanted to create with electronic music, um, which got me into Ableton, which mm-hmm. is like uh, the first bit of Dark Swoon was um, uh, like, I think, 2014 is when I started writing the music um, and it was a lot of Ableton loops and beats um, now we're all live hardware mm-hmm. I'm really excited to have gotten to that point because that was like a long journey it sounded like you know key to the early period of Dark Swoon was the input of Christian Tarrett mm-hmm. yeah. um, so how did you meet Christian and how did get them involved in the band um, Christian uh, and I worked at the Mission Theater together, um, which I met a lot of really great people there, um, a lot of people who I'm still really close to, and I was, I feel like we were we were both struggling in our life. I was like, you know, trying to make my music, but I, I didn't have, you know, it was since it was a solo project, but I couldn't play all the parts at once. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do I do? And he was um, struggling in grad school, like, what do I do? <laughs> um, so he ended up uh, leaving grad school, and he, he said, you know, if I end up leaving grad school, I'll help you with your music. So it wasn't like for the music, but <laughs> he just ended up doing it, and he was like, all right, it's time, like, let's do this. So we were playing together for a while, so he was um, helping me play my music live. Um, we recorded the first two Dark Swoon EPs together, um, went on a little tour, and um, you know, eventually uh, I think for him it wasn't as much fun because uh, he wasn't so much collaborating as mm. much as he would have liked and um, I wanted to do more than he wanted to do so we we decided to kind of part ways we're still really good friends and we still uh, talk about we're like oh we really have to like do our collaborative po- project <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really hope we get a chance to do that someday um, but kind of at the same time I started playing music with Rachel who's my my partner mm-hmm. um, and we've been together for you know, almost 10 years um, but we've never played music together. It was, wasn't really something I ever thought I could do with a romantic partner, but it's really worked out pretty well because we have, you know, operations of communication that and, uh, like, the damage control that we can do in our relationship. We kind of bring that into the stress of playing music <laughs> together, um, live and otherwise. And then uh, her, her co-worker... Um, our ex coworker and friend Andrew ended up. He was like, oh, "I want to play bass." So we we're like, "Cool, let's just try that out." And that that worked <laughs> out great because um, he's so talented. His bass lines, I like, are always very unexpected mm. to me, but in the best way. I'm like, I never would have written that bass line, you know? Like that's, <laughs> but it's awesome, you know. So he has his own style that he brings to the table. Where does a song start for you when you start writing a song? Um, you know, I feel like 
it's always different. Um, I journal a lot, so a lot of my song lyrics are, you know, they just, they don't really start as a song, they start as just um, like a free flow of consciousness writing um and i'm like oh well that sounds okay and like, <laughs> build things out you know kind of like piecing things together sometimes it's like that sometimes it's like oh well that's like a complete thing that sounds cool but i might not have the music for it mm -hmm. um but i usually write the two very separately and um try to try to fit things together um i used to st always start with guitar and now more often than not i start with uh beats and synth sequencing okay. um and then i start playing guitar to whatever i i write um on my uh electronic toys that i like i'm like well that's cool like let me i feel like i'm, I'm such a lazy guitarist now though because <laughs> you know um playing uh, more simplistically than I used to, which, you know, the s simplicity is good, right? Sure. Um, and I have to remind myself of that. <laughs> but. Has it gotten easier for you to work with the electronics and to program beats than how you started out? Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like I'm I'm starting to get a better flow with it, um, though I'm I'm always buying new stuff that I don't know how to use. So uh, <laughs> I say that now. And, um, you know, every time I add a new piece of gear, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, that pulls time away from songwriting because mm -hmm. then I have to, like, actually sit down and learn how to, um, you know, work a new piece of equipment. Sometimes it's like, you know, it makes my brain feel like I'm learning math or another <laughs> another language. Sure. Like, it's definitely, like, kind of the same part of the brain is... is working out um which is cool you know I, I like kind of uh keeping keeping my intellect on on its toes in the sense that I'm like always trying to bring something new into the mix but I'll probably never be a master of anything because of that <laughs> uh, ADD <laughs> yeah your last album Bind your last full length yes. uh came out last year um you're working with um I'm going to butcher the name of the producer of this record. Uh, so I'm going to let you say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Fabian Press. Okay. Yep. That was as close as I was going to get to it. So tell me about uh, their input into Bind. Um, well, we, we worked with Fabian for, um, I guess, probably three days in the studio um, all at once. I've never recorded with anybody um, uh, in, in that way. Usually it's like I can't afford to you know record like that mm -hmm. so um he was he was really cool about uh giving us you know kind of a set price and then we we would be in you know for um for a sequence of days in a row so we could kind of like capture the same emotion instead of like oh well i can afford to do this again in a month um so that was that was one thing that we did differently um he he really had a completely different style of recording than anything i've ever worked with before um where like vocally he would have me sing one line like 30 times it actually blew out my voice wow we we're having a bit of an issue in the studio about it because it was like you want me to do that again <laughs> i'm gonna freak out I, 
I, I really do like the way my vocals turned out. Um, and uh, I'm not sure I can say that for any other recording projects I've done. So, you know, he was he was successful <laughs> <laughs> in in getting a performance that everyone was happy with. But um, yeah, he he had uh, unconventional methods of working in the studio. And um, I mean, to be honest, we did not mesh well. But uh, I'm wow. hap- I'm happy with the ending product. <laughs> so you might not work with Fabian again. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So um, it sounds like uh, most everything that you've done in the band so far has been really self-funded yeah. and self-produced. Does that include releasing the record? Is it a self-released album yeah, as well? Yeah, that's correct. So how has that been to, to navigate as an independent artist? I mean, it must be feel good to not have anybody sort of putting expectations on how many records you sell or how many shows you play, but it's got to put a little bit of a burden on your shoulders to make sure things are getting done. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we did we did get uh, so you know we paid for um, the production of it, and then we we did get some help from Icy Cold Records. Mm. Um, they they manufactured the the vinyl and the CDs, um, but they're very like hands off as a label. Um, okay. So they've they're they're based in Paris. Um, so they definitely like helped uh, with some global distribution and, um, but you know, they, they kind of keep their part and they gifted us, um, you know, our vinyls and CDs and, um, you know, so it's pretty hands off as far as, uh, labels go. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, like all, all of the PR and everything, um, that's been on me and, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, next time I'm I'm hoping to hire somebody. <laughs> it's so much work, and I'm I don't know how good I am at it. But um, yeah, there's definitely this feeling that like I, I feel like I always have to be I have to do something every day in order to keep the momentum going. You know, sure. um, especially in you know the musical world we live in, things disappear. You know, you you want to like stay relevant. Um, at the cost of your own sanity or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to cut through the noise nowadays. There's so much being pushed in people's faces, for sure. Yeah. Maybe this is my perspective, of it, but it feels like this the scene, for lack of a better term, for the music that you play, um, it feels... um, it feels like a very underground thing here in the States and maybe it's a little more uh, prominent in Europe or South America or something like that. I mean, I don't know how much touring you've done as a band, but I wonder if, if you could talk about that, just like, you know, finding your people, I guess, who love the music that you do. Yeah. Um, well, we, we haven't had a chance to, to go very many places. Um, you know, that's another bummer about being self-funded. Right. Um, so, you know, the dream is to, find a bigger act that you can latch on to or a booking company that wants to help you out but um you know so so far we we've just been doing west coast touring um but we've been able to connect with people all over the world um especially with the help of icy cold mm-hmm. um and there there does seem to be a scene in uh south america as well as um you know very very prevalent in europe um uh germany um you know, even Iceland has has a pretty great uh, post punk uh, dark wave band. Um, so they they must have a scene of some sort as well. Uh, Kalen Mikla, I don't know if you've listened to them at I, all. But no, I don't know that one. I must be thinking of a different band. Yeah, um, they're they're pretty cool. Uh, check them out. But um, yeah, uh, 
when I when I first started writing this music, I didn't really know what kind of music I was writing. Mm. Um, so it's been really cool to be embraced by a music community, mm-hmm. um, especially I feel like uh, kind of the the gothier dark wave. Um, you know, underground dark music scene. I mean, it's. I feel like there there's a lot of different subgenres. Um, Post punk. Uh, right. You know, shoegaze is even in there somewhere, and we get thrown into that category a lot. Like, I don't. I don't even really know where we fit in all of it, but we've been kind <laughs> of embraced by um, by this world, and um, I think it's. I think it's really cool. Uh, just how how much um, uh, gender diversity is represented in the like kind of gothy communities there's Mm -hmm. um a really strong uh lgbtq community that uh fits into that category so um i also as a queer person who never really felt like they fit into you know the queer culture Mm -hmm. it's like a sub genre of queer culture that i feel embraced by um but uh yeah, I mean, we're. I guess we're still trying to figure out where where we fall and um, who's going to connect with our music or not. Um, you know, Icy Cold was uh, really really excited about the record, and then they they shared it with some of their um, associates, and some of them were really excited about it, and some of them were like, no, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's just uh, you know, I I, th- I don't think that it's it doesn't like fit the mold, you know. Yeah. But that's okay because I don't want it to. I want to be doing something different. <laughs> you got a number of shows coming up, and the one that is happening soonest is on the twenty seventh at Bunk Bar. But I also see you're playing the uh, Lose Your Mind Fest. Yeah. In- yeah. April, We're really excited about that show um, with uh, the KVB from the UK. They're really great uh, actors, um, who's a great post-punk band from uh, Canada. Hmm. And uh, Chasms, um, they're from the Bay Area originally. I think they're LA-based now. Right. But, like they, they've been on tour with like Boy Harsher in Europe. And so it's a really, it's a bunch of bands that I really admire. Um, and uh, I'm pretty excited to be a part of that show and that festival. That's really cool. You've already got things booked out into June, which is pretty exciting for you. That's, yeah. I I kind of like not having to worry about it. You know, it's like, well, that's taken care of. Um, but right now I'm trying to book a little West Coast tour um, at the beginning of June. So that's where all my stress is, is headed. <laughs> well, I hope that gets worked out for you. Thank you. Are you working on any new music right now? Yeah, um, absolutely. We, we have about five new songs uh, that we've been demoing, um, a few which which we'll be playing next week at Bunk Bar. Oh, so. cool. Um, and uh, I'm really hoping to get us back into the studio by next fall. So so again, Dark Swoon is playing tonight here in Portland, Thursday, February 27th at Bunk Bar with The Moon Caravan Ritual Pictures. Uh, Jaina Cushman, thank you so much for coming down to talk with me. Thank you so much, Bob. That's it for this edition of World of Noise. Thanks again to Chris Slusarenko and John Moen of Eyelids and to Jaina Cushman of Dark Swoon for being on the show. Tune in next week when I'll be joined by the members of the heavy rock duo Zill to talk about their combination of sludgy riffs and experimental sounds. All that and more next time on World of Noise. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.